Hello everyone, so this is the final episode discussing my sexual past. I, before I begin, I'm going to definitely go off the top of my head completely with this episode. I'm not going to even use my dictionary for this. So, I'm not going to read anything either. I'm not going to put anything in my own words. I'm going to just totally freestyle from my heart. Let's go. So, I have redeemed myself in regards to my sexual past. It was not the ideal sexual past. And some of us rape survivors, you know, I'm one of them. A lot of us have sexual pasts that we are not excited by, but it causes us a sense of grief and mourning. M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. It's a tragic aspect of our lives. A lot of us. I can't speak for all of us. So you're wondering, how were you able to live to talk about your sexual past, Antonio, even though... involved in some affairs. I'm thankful that you asked because that shows that you are a caring person and your brain works correctly, which also means that you're no nonsense individual, which makes me feel comfortable with you already. So I'll gladly answer your question, not from a braggadocious way, but Me answering your question publicly will help heal other people and not just myself. Let me get to the point. So from what I remember, I actually talked to the men that they were committed to. We didn't talk a lot. Um, Back then, it was cordial or bumping to each other. And it was high and by, but not from a antagonistic standpoint. It was a typical, hey, hey, what's up, what's up? All right, see you later, see you later, that type of thing. But there were no, there was no glaring at each other. Glaring, as you, for people that don't know, there was no mean stares, no angry stares, no offensive gestures. We didn't cuss each other out. We didn't call each other names. It was a calm, cool, and collected, one word, hi, bye, that, that type of deal. 
And the private meetings was a result of these men wanting to know why were their wives and fiancés and girlfriends they grew to be monogamous with, why were they speaking so highly of me braggadociously in the midst of their explosive rage-filled talks. Um, and I tried, and I really told the wives, once the girlfriend, don't bring me up in y'all conversations because what y'all got going on, I don't want to be a part of it. I'm trying my best to live a decent existence. I need y'all to respect that. And... They tried their best on it, but the men they were with kept asking them about, are they seeing anybody else? And the women were trying to keep quiet, but the men wouldn't leave it alone because the men were up front in a grotesque way about them being involved with other women, something though wives, fiancés, and girlfriends already knew. But it was heat of the moment emotionalism on the guys' part, the women. That too, but it was for different reasons. It was, I'm trying to protect my man, but he won't leave it alone. So they eventually blurted me out in our history together. So these guys, instead of coming at the women hard because they understood if I come at her hard, if I hit her, if I speak badly about her, and I know that Antonio's big on respecting women because that's the number one thing that my woman, you know, the wives, the girlfriends, the fiances, that's the number one thing they talk about. So if he respect women, and I react out of anger, he, he's actually capable of doing bodily damage to me. So I'm, I can't come at her heart. When I said explosive rage, I'm not talking about the typical tabloid talk show interactions that one may seem, it could be a sense of they're talking about their marital problems and they had a hard time keeping their cool because they were blaming themselves for what happened and they did cause each other pain. So they were blaming each other, but not from the tabloid talk show. It was them in their own eccentric ways trying to take responsibility. It may not have come out right. It may have come out wrongly. But that's what happened. It, it My situation is not the typical tabloid talk show situation that would make millions of people watch every day. It was a standpoint of people trying to take accountability and the expression of that 
said accountability, self-accountability and hold each other accountable. It came out erroneously, right? So the guy said, I want to talk to Antonio. And so the women said, well, okay, but if I, if he tells me that you tried to fight him, you tried to kill him, or you said or did anything disrespectful to him, I'm definitely going to have you prosecuted. So you better watch your words, watch your tone, watch your volume, and watch your gestures, and watch your voice when you talk to him. Because the they were women... These women in particular were very protective of me in their own psyches. I'm just telling you how their psychology was at the time towards me and just life in general. So I was able to meet up with them at the park. We didn't feel like eating. We just wanted to just talk. So we would talk at the park. And... um we would talk in the park away from everybody else. You know, it was kind of like we would talk at a... Because um, some parks have like a checkers board type of of table. It wasn't a checkers board table, but it looked like the type of table people would play checkers on. A game of checkers on the park table and they had the park stools. And I remember we sat there. And we just had a man-to-man conversation. I wasn't trying to, we didn't try to punk each other. We didn't try to fight. No death threats, no violent threats. Nobody robbed each other. Um, We didn't call each other names. We didn't insult each other. We didn't have a toxic masculinity competition. And there was no tabloid talk show behavior between us at all. It was me crying the whole time. I was scared. I was ashamed. I felt guilt. I felt dread. I felt worry. I felt distress. I felt apprehension. I felt fear. I felt turmoil. I felt torture. I felt torment. I felt shyness. I felt emptiness. I felt anger. Not at... I just felt anger at the trauma of my childhood. And this connects to what happened to me now, you know, the affairs. And I knew that it had to do with something with the trauma of childhood. I didn't fully understand what I understood now. But I just remember expressing all these feelings to these men. And the men, to my surprise, they had similar wounds from their childhoods, too. So it's basically trauma survivors, male trauma survivors, men trauma survivors, having a heart-to-heart conversation. And I remember I never defended what happened. In all actuality, I was like, I hate what's happening. And I was careful with Morris. I didn't want to make it seem like they're women 
I'm not saying that they owned them. I know they didn't, but I'm not, I don't want to make it seem like the women they were committed to were bad sex. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, was that I hated the sexual arrangement from a, y'all agreed to be monogamous, but that vow is being broken standpoint. Um, and that's what really hurt. And I, we just, I, I remember we just cried. Um, it was multiple men that I did this with. Because they were all in the exact same boat with the men and women. And the women were trauma survivors too, as I've told y'all. So we would hug it out. I remember we would uh, wipe each other's noses. We would get tissue for each other. We would ball our eyes out. And, you know, we would uh, cry on each other's lap. We cried on each other's shoulders. Because I never gave them any negative energy. They never gave me any negative energy. Because I wasn't braggadocious, they weren't braggadocious. It was never that. It was, I really want you to tell me to stop sleeping with your wife, your girlfriend, your fiance. And... To my unpleasant surprise, they encouraged me to keep doing that. And I was like, but I came here so I can leave your woman alone. I did not come here to cry it out and then go back to what I was doing. Like, no, the only person that should be sleeping with her is you. That's your woman. Nobody else has the right to sleep with her. I'm stepping out, I'm bowing out, I surrender, I'm sacrificing, and I said, I'm out. And you can tell your woman, in fact, we can tell her that I'm out. I don't want to do this anymore. I never really wanted to do this, but I didn't know how to not be involved in this. But the men were like, well... She really should be with you instead of me. You make her feel what I can't make her feel. I don't have the calmness that you have. I don't have the perseverance that you have. I don't have the sensitivity to women that I'm supposed to have, but you got it. And... I don't know how to sexually please her like you do. And that's exactly what they told me. So, I was like, you know, are you sure you want me to keep doing this? Because again, you, you know, I don't want to. I'm not asking you to mind game me or anything to go back to what's done. I'm like, I really don't want to do this. Even though I respected what they were saying and I told them that respectfully, I was like, but I'm not a cheater type by nature and I'm not the type to cheat. 
you cheat on with because I know this ain't me. How did I get involved in this? And I was like, if it if I wasn't hurt as a kid, I wouldn't be doing any of this. But the men just stood firm on, gently stood firm on, you know, I decided I'm going to divorce her. I decided to break off her engagement. I decided to break up with her right now. And that's what happened. They said, she's all yours. And for the ones that... See, when you break off an engagement, there's no legal ties to each other. They didn't have any of that. And the ones that were just boyfriend, girlfriend, they, they broke off. And... Um, The when it came to the divorce, I remember um, you know, in the midst of their divorce proceedings, they said, "You have my permission to date her, sleep with her, go ahead. It's not cheating because you heard it from me. And when we and when we both told the wives that what ha- every word said in the conversation, because we we didn't record each other, but we were so in, intent on focusing on what each other was saying, we remembered every other's word for word, not to use it against each other, but so they the wives can understand that oh y'all really were into the conversation that you can recall it word for word, verbatim. So the wives was like, okay. And the wives was just like, okay. I I understand that, respect that, I agree to that. I'm glad y'all was able to cry it out and y'all was able to, you know, heal as best you can and, you know, that y'all were able to, you know, nothing negative happened between y'all. So the wives was like, after the men, the, the husbands left, like, well, you know, I'm going to go ahead to divorce court and file the papers and and um, I'll send it to my wife. And, and that's what happened. They signed the divorce papers very quickly. And because they really wanted the divorce to happen um it happened rather quickly it didn't take very long some courts they feel like if there's a unanimous we want our marriage to end as soon as possible and the man was like she can have everything I just want her to be happy I will give up everything all my material stuff will go to her all my money will go to her I just want to have her live a good life because we can't have that together. So the divorce was quickly granted and the women was like having more sex with me because of it. Because they're like, well, you told me 
when we first started being involved with each other that you didn't want to share me, you know, I, I don't have to share, you know, you're not, sh- we're not sharing me anymore. So practically we became a, we became an item. I don't know what to call it. I can't call it real romance, but there was heavy feelings for one another. I'll just say a situationship, an item of, I don't even want to call it situationship because that's insulting actual situationships. I would just say things were hot and heavy between us. That's all I can say. And um, you're probably wondering how are these women so comfortable with sharing with other women? Thank you for maintaining your caring, kind disposition. Thank you for maintaining your intellect, your wisdom, your no-nonsense to you as the listeners. Thank you for asking the question. I will answer your question courageously. Well, I'll say this. I did try to be monogamous. At one point, I tried to be celibate. And I say that in a non-laughing way. I really did try to be with one woman. I I was as, I was disheartened by the serial womanizing that I was doing out of trauma, compound trauma, to be more exact. And I was really doing my best to go. Okay, how can I um, not be involved in such a situation? And, uh... The women... I would go through periods of being celibate. I would go through periods of just being with one woman. But because I was in high demand from many women at that time, they didn't like me being with one woman because they all had the mindset of, look, good men are scarce. So if we have to share one, that's what we're going to do. You know, they all had the Antonio's my husband mentality. Even the ones that are unmarried to me, like, well, I don't need a legal set of documentation to prove that he's my husband. He's my husband because I said so, and no one can tell me otherwise. No one can convince me any differently. And that's what occurred. And there were just women who was just like, I have to have you. I can't talk to you without sexual intimacy at some point because they were that attracted to me. And the wives, friends, and girlfriends knew, and they were okay with it. They were like, 
it's not they felt a sense of relief they were like oh wow um it was a pleasant surprise to them they felt that we're not the only women who feel what we feel about Antonio they were they had it was a you can call like a a sense of gratitude and humility but it may have been tainted by trauma you know but that's what happened and um and then I remember um, being in situations where I would occasionally bump into the husband's men fiancés, men boyfriends, and especially when they became official exes by the law. And it was all respect. Um, in fact, they told, we talked about each other, we talked about each other's dreams, purpose for living. They said, Antonio, one day, soon and very soon, you're going to be a global icon. I can feel that from you. So what I want you to do is write down in your books and podcast was becoming popular at the time. So they said, what I want you to do is write down this part of your life in your story. And when you get your podcast, I want you to podcast it out. I want you to talk about the affairs. I want you to talk about me. I want you to talk about the women, you know, my wife, my girlfriend, my fiance. I want you to talk about um, the whole history of all of us in your book and in your podcast. I want you to get this out. Because I don't want anybody else being in the situation that we're in. I want you to talk about the divorce. I want you to talk about us not always talking to each other right. I want to talk about, I want you to talk about um, me not honoring the confidentiality that about you that my woman said to. I want you to talk about it. I don't want you to hide it. Because there's a lot of men who need to hear what you got to say and read your statements. And I can guarantee you, you will never get any backlash from us. You will, we will not let trolls and hecklers get at you. We will fuck them up. We will shit on them. Because... You have our permission to put this out. And the wives happily agreed to all this. 
The girlfriends happily agreed to all this. And the fiancés happily agreed to all this. This this was part of our group discussion because they were like, oh my God, that would be so awesome if you told our stories in your podcast and book. So that's a big reason why I'm doing this right now. So I know in my heart that they're not going to come out the Woodwards and come against me because we talked about me doing this many, every time we, we, we were around each other. Because sometimes, you know, for the most part, when around each other, me, them, and, their, and the men they w- used to be with, that, I, that they had affairs with me, I mean, had affairs with them. Um, the men, I'm talking about the men of the women that I was involved with, meaning me and the women, the men that they were with at the time, I started being with the women. Occasionally, we would all be together. We would, like at the grocery store, and they would go, yeah, Antonio, you're booking podcasts, put it out with us in it. And the women would go, Antonio, he's right. And it would be like that. And I would go, y'all right, and that would be it. And um, that's why I know I can really talk about this because they said, you know, talk about our childhood traumas and our pain. And I'm about to do that right now. Basically, they were victims of um, physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, psychological abuse, intellectual abuse spiritual abuse, academic abuse. That's what they went through as kids. And um, they came from families with addictions, with mental illnesses. And they came from um, families where there was personality disorders rampant in their gene pool. And that's how they, it was trauma bonding, how they met one another. And um, the trauma bonding was how I met the women. Um, I, along with the men and the women, we unintentionally confused Romance with trauma bonding, love with trauma bonding, sex with trauma bonding. So, that's how everything occurred. Basically, they got married and some were engaged to be married. Some just started dating monogamously, but because of their unresolved and unsolved conflict issues, problems, and traumas. That's how they started cheating on on each other because it wasn't the typical I'm cheating on you for the sake of it. It was I just really love it when somebody's nice to me or I just love the sense of affection I get. And that's how they, that's how those things happened. And I remember um, 
The verbal abuse of each other didn't last long because they quickly apologized and that never happened again. The emotional abuse of each other didn't last long because it that didn't last long and, and they apologized to each other quickly and never happened again. Did they ever physically abuse each other? It was swinging and hitting each other, but they quickly stopped that. That never happened again. And they insulted each other at the same time, but they quickly stopped that. That never happened again either. They drew the line on abuse. It was, oh my God, I hate this. I hate this too. We shouldn't be doing this. They would start, and then about a minute or two later, they would stop from what what they told me. So those parts they stopped. The cheating part was hard. For them, according to what they told me, um, because they felt like, well, they they felt like, well, they started cheating less and less because they started feeling that sense of despair about the cheating. And they felt like, but how do I not enjoy when a woman is nice to me, when a man is sweet to me. So they were doing this before I came along. Once I came along in the women's lives, they stopped cheating with other men and just started cheating with me because they're like, well, these men don't have what Antonio has. You know, Antonio actually talks to me. He talks to me about things that require me to think deeply and require me to gauge introspection, and I like it. It's so appealing to me. He's so appealing to me. He's irresistible to me. I can't leave him alone because when I talk to him, he makes me feel like I'm the only person in the world. He makes me feel like I'm the only person that he talks to. He makes me feel like I'm somebody and he makes me feel like he makes me believe I can fly. And I can honestly tell you that the sex workers, brothel workers, women engaged in prostitution when I was in my collegiate years felt the same way. I told you about that, but let me go further with those details. So, from what I remember from that time, um, I remember having a social life with these brothel workers. And they always paid for me. They felt like if I ever meet a good man, I will pay for his everything. He will pay for nothing. He doesn't owe me, I owe him. That's how they felt. So they told me that I would cry with them because sometimes we would talk about 
things from the past that didn't work out for us and we would hold each other, caress each other. And we never tried to have sex with each other when we were sad because we did not want to exploit one another. So I remember in a lot of ways I was fathering them and in a lot of ways they were mothering me. Um, but it was unintentional. It was I wanted to nurture them and they wanted to nurture me and we wanted to nurture ourselves. So that's how we would talk to each other and treat each other. Um, it was from a standpoint of let's not even think about sex right now. I don't even want to talk about that right now. We would talk about geography, health, um, philosophy, religion, technology, science, mathematics, inventions, nature, architecture, um, insects, people, the planet Earth, the universe, life, human activities, ideologies, theologies, politics, justice issues. And because they were unconventional like I am, we enjoyed that we agreed with each other on these subjects. And um, And that's why we would also talk about the pain of our youth and how we were going to move forward. And I can honestly say this. A lot of sex workers don't engage in sex work out of trauma. Every sex worker's reasons for engaging in sex work is different. Some because of trauma. A lot of them because it's just in them to do it. They've had excellent childhoods, excellent homes, excellent families, excellent schools, and excellent career opportunities. They just chose to do sex work because it was voluntarily happiness for them. That was a part of their joy. So I want to make it clear, not all sex workers do sex work out of trauma. That's been proven. Um, but we talked about why they did sex work, and they said, well, they talked about how, you know, they were exhibitionists and voyeurists. It was just a part of who they were, and they liked to make money, and they just liked that sense of that they were sexual revolution, free love type people. And those are the thing, all these qualities. That they, ha that they had, I told them I have those same traits too. And they asked me how come I wasn't doing sex work. And I was like, well, I, um, I just was never in a position where I was offered 
I tended not to be in situations where that opportunity presented to me. And they never pushed me in the sex work world. Like if I wanted to, they could have easily pulled the strings so I could do that. But that was not a part of our dynamics. We didn't push each other to do anything. If I would have said, I want to do it, they would have said, okay, I will be your manager. They would have said, you know, I will, I'll make sure you get paid fairly and that whoever you wanted to be with As long as they treated you right, I would let that happen. Or if you just said, look. Or if they said, you know, I don't feel comfortable being with anybody else. And just be with you. They would have have definitely said, okay, I'll just give you money. I knew that's how they felt because we talked about it. They said, you know. But, and and we agreed not to push each other to do anything. They're like. I they said I just want I, I just want your company. I want your time, I want your attention. I want your intellect. Not they didn't mean it from a standpoint of stealing my time and stealing my intellect and stealing my attention. Like I want to share your time, I want to share your attention, I want to share your intellect with you. With you with you. That was it. Um they would have definitely said if I if you just want me to be your only customer, then I'm okay with that. I don't mind being the one paying you. And that was pretty much it on the sex work talk. After that we barely talked about it. It was how was your day and you know, shortly after that, some just said, I just don't want to do this line of work no more they said why and they looked at me and it started feeling and touching me they said you're the man of my dreams which also means you're the man of my reality so many of them left that world of brothel work prostitution because of me some stayed because some were in dire situations where um, they did. Some of them did not come from loving families, so they escaped from their abusive families, and that was the only line of work that they could do in their minds at that time. And let me say this again: there are. Sex workers who come from healthy families and they do sex work for fun. So I want to break the stereotype that, oh, if your family wasn't abusive, you wouldn't do sex work. That's not true for all sex workers. I just want to say that. So some came from abusive families and they said, this is the only way I can eat, I can survive. But when it came to me, they decided... I don't want to have a lot of customers because 
I don't want to catch, I don't want Antonin to catch any disease and infections because of what I'm doing. This is what they said to me. They said, um, I'm going to limit my customers and what the sex workers would do because they were cool with each other, they would financially supplement each other. Some would go gambling and because they were skilled gamblers, they were raking in extra money. And that's how they were able to financially supplement each other. And they would help pay each other's rent, mortgage, car notes, insurance, what have you. Because they, gambling was their way of raking in dough. So, um, enough, they, some actually had legal jobs where they were in sex work, but they had other skills and qualifications, so they would financially supplement each other legally. It was like, okay, I don't want to give you illegal money, but I can give you legal money because I don't want us going to jail. So those are their ways of um, protecting each other. So when it came to me, that was how they could limit their partners. They didn't have a lot of partners because they were being compensated by each other. And those sex workers like, but I don't want Antonio to have any SDs and STIs, so we got to limit our partners out of respect for him. Because they all saw me as their Prince Charming. They all were like, we are his Rapunzel's letting down a long hair. We are his Cinderella's. We're his damsels in distress. That's how they viewed me at the time. So... They never took illegal money from each other, meaning their prostitution business. I never took illegal money from them. They never took any illegal money from me. In fact, they never took any money from me um, because they were like, don't give us money. So I never gave them any money. But they would always give me legal money. The kind of money that you could put in the bank and I feel like, oh man, the IRS is going to legally ruin our lives so I remember so I I never paid for sex I've never paid for sex in my entire life um I remember, um, I remember at the time where, um, being with them, because I would talk about intellectual subjects, the ones that left prostitution, they would just have 
they would just have sex with me and we would have a social shared life and we would talk about intellectual subjects. We would even intellectualize sex when we talked about it here and there sometimes. And the ones that stayed in that world, what they would do was say, okay, we're going to have the most sex with Antonio. And the ones that left prostitution, they only had sex with me and nobody else, right? So the ones that said, we're going to have the most sex with Antonio, they also would talk to me the most. They would sometimes leave work early because they're like, man, I... I can't wait to talk to my man. I can't wait to see my man. I can't wait to get home to my man. I can't wait to hang out with my man. I can't wait to make love to my man. So they would have a restricted amount of partners. And after things were over, they're like, you know, none of their partners fully sexually satisfied them, but because... They were in dire situations. Um, They would go, well, I'm not in a bad spot when it comes to Antonio. So they couldn't wait for the sex to be over with those other men and get compensated. So they would um, come be with me. And um, I, and out of respect for them, I started restricting the amount of women partners I had. And I told them that and they were very grateful that I showed them that kind of reciprocity. Um, Before I met them, I did not really restrict the amount of women partners I had. But because I started meeting women that were like, well, I'm starting to look at you in a very serious light, I started restricting the amount of women I was involved with. Because, like, I don't want you to catch any disease infections either. So we never... I mean... In their situation, because they were in their situation, they never, they didn't tell me to um, stop sleeping with other women because they would have had to stop being in their situation... So we never told each other to do that. And we never pushing each other to do that. It was like, if that's what you want to do, I'll support you. But if you don't tell me, then... Then I'm going to assume that I can't have you do... What you haven't told me you wanted or didn't want to do. It was that way. And then I remember... um, I just remember also that um, we really um, had an affinity for each other where 
We tried our best to use birth control, and for the most part, we did, but there are times where the occasional oops, but because I was skilled at the pull-out method and keeping cum and pre-cum away from them, that's why the oops situation wasn't as scary as it could have been if I wasn't skilled at it. And, um... I also remember um, meeting women everywhere, malls, grocery stores, just out walking and, and we lock eyes or, you know, at restaurants, at eateries, in parking lots, at the movies, at, um, you know, at the gym or, um, in church, um, While they were driving and they and we lock eyes and they would pull over and park where I was and I would get in the car with them because the attraction, like it was attraction at first sight with looks and the way I carried myself, it was you know something about his character, something about her character. I like the way she looked up and. She like, and I'm liking the way he looked. It was kind of that thing. And um, I remember at that time, um, there was a, a sense of I never impregnated any of them. And they were more like, as long as I have you. Some wanted to get pregnant by me, but they understood that I couldn't because I was an undergraduate student. So what they did was like, okay, you know, once you graduate, we're going to start having a family. But we went our separate ways before that could happen towards the final time, me being my senior year, because we just wanted to heal. And the guilt just got the best of us and went our separate ways because we wanted to heal. I haven't had any contact with them since they haven't had any contact with me since. I hope they're well. And hopefully they listen to the podcast so they can know that I'm well. Um, no beef, no feuding towards the final time, just, it was guilt running everything. Um, so, the ones that didn't get pregnant were disappointed at first. None of, no, I never impregnated any girl 
when I was a teenager, sleeping with adolescent girls. I never impregnated any girl when I was a preteen, sleeping with preteen girls. I never impregnated any women when I was a man, sleeping with women at the time. And, um, I never impregnated any of the statutory rapists when I was a teenager. The women that tried to give me to have their babies and just never worked out because I rebelled against that and pulled my penis and the cum and everything away from them. They were trying to have the penis and the cum into them and I was able to overpower them that way and keep it away. And they they tried to swing on me, but I gave them this look like, you don't want to go there with me. I'm not going to hit you. But I'll make sure you never do that again. I would say something along the lines of, You don't want your family to find out, do you? You don't want the whole neighborhood to find out, do you? You don't want the... You don't want them to go to the police, do you? So that's how they backed off on that way. So, um... I never impregnated anybody. I don't know what it's like to get somebody pregnant. I have no idea. I have no clue how, you know, how that works because I'm never impregnating anybody. No sperm bank parenting, no adoptive parenting, no false parenting, no biological parenting. Those, I don't do any kind of parenting. I just don't. And um, so the women that were... Some of the women were just so happy to have me. They're like, whether you get whether I get pregnant or not, I don't really care. I'm just glad that we're family to each other. So that's what happened at that time. And um, all of them took pregnancy tests. Statutory rapists, the girls, the women. Always came back negative. And every time they took disease infections tests, that the statutory rapists, girls and women, always came back negative. That's why I have no infection or disease not to my own horn, just being real with you. So at that time, you know, it was a a sense of um A sense of, I, you know, we just, every person I slept with was a survivor of physical and sexual trauma. So we were all trying to physically heal, sexually heal, more importantly, spiritually heal, intellectually, psychologically, emotionally heal. But we went about it in unwholesome ways because we didn't know any better. That's why we didn't do any better.
We didn't sexually know any better. That's why we didn't sexually do any better. Um, now I sexually know better. That's why I sexually do better. Um, woo wee. I know, right? So when it came to myself and the women that I was mentioning to you, um, they had a tendency to use multiple forms of birth control when it came to me the most and when it came to the other men that they were with, talking about the brothel workers. Um, they would use, we would, you know, there was male condoms, female condoms, uh, prep, pep, and HPV shots they would take. Um, and they were getting tested every two weeks, and, um, you know, they took me to get tested with Amanda. We never got sick with anything. Um, And then I remember... um, When it came to... Why I didn't always say no. Honestly, I didn't know how... To sexually decline someone respectfully... I didn't know how to let some down. I didn't know how to let someone down, gently, sexually speaking. I didn't know how to go about sexual boundaries. I didn't understand sexual boundaries or to talk sexual boundaries. And um, I didn't know how to guard my entire being when it came to sex, sexuality, eroticism, and sensuality. I didn't know. And I had no idea what to do when it came to um, erotic boundaries, sensual boundaries either. I didn't know what to do with kind of romantic boundaries and the personal boundaries. I didn't know how. To sexually resist, erotically resist, romantically resist, and personally resist, and sensually resist. I didn't know. I know now I'm self-taught when it comes to all these things now. I didn't know how to go about resisting sexual temptations, erotic temptations, sensual temptations, romantic temptations, and interpersonal temptations. I didn't know what to do. I know now because I'm self-taught in all these things I said for the last time in this episode. But um, I would never want anybody to duplicate my sexual past in terms of all these things in this episode and all the other episodes and all the things I've talked about previously. Um, for myself, um,
matches. I have learned that um, I have forgiven myself. I bestow grace upon myself. I bestow mercy upon myself. I bestow compassion on myself. I can I I bestow redemption on myself. Um, I have forgiven all the women. I bestow grace on all the women. I bestow mercy on all the women. I bestow redemption on all the women. I have forgiven all the men. I have um, bestowed grace on all the men. I bestow mercy on all the women. I bestow redemption on all the, all the men. The ones that were in the committed relationships with the women. And even the ones that I slept with. When I say I bestow forgiveness, grace, and mercy, and redemption, all the women, I'm talking about the women that were brothel workers, the women that were um, non-brothel workers, the women that were pretty much all the women I've ever slept with that I told you about. And um, And all the other episodes, including this one. And, um, I bestow repentance on myself. I bestow repentance on all the women that are slept with. I bestow repentance on, um, the men I slept with and the, um, the men that were in the committed relationship with the women. And I bestow repentance on all of us, um, myself, all the women I slept with, the men I slept with, and the men in committed relationships. And the reason why I say all that is because we we were saying and doing everything out of sexual trauma, physical trauma, emotional trauma, interpersonal trauma, erotic trauma, essential trauma, romantic trauma, and that's why. Um, I have forgiven all of us and um, I don't have any bitterness towards all of us I don't have any malice towards all, all of us I don't have any I don't have any unforgiveness towards all of us I don't have any wrath towards all of us I don't have any revenge towards all of us I don't have any Pay back towards all of us. I don't have any vengeance towards all of us. Um, I have clemency and leniency towards all of us. I'm not condoning anything we said and did. I'm not rejecting the fact that we all have to live with the consequences of our unwholesome trauma response for the rest of our lives because forgiveness does not um, 
invalidate nor repeal all the earthly behavioral consequences of our verbal actions and our verbal actions that were both wrong and unacceptable but um, at the same time I recognize that this, these stories I'm telling you can show a balance between um, being sensitized to consequences as well as not living a life being controlled by mischief either. Um, I truly wish us all well. I have unconditional, sacrificial, neighborly, agape, compassionate love for all of us in the situation. And, um, hopefully they've all forgiven me, given me grace and mercy, redemption, repentance, and I'm pretty sure they already have. Based upon my dealings with them, which I'm grateful and humble about. And they'll be grateful, humble for my you know, affection, affinity toward them and their affection, affinity toward me. I'm humble. I'm grateful. I'm about that too. Um, and, um, that's all I have to say.